I guess we should bring us all in. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 683. I am 80s Jeff. Commander K. Oh, I'm sorry. And Commander K. There you go. And we're here to talk to you, Week in Geek. It's just Kirsten and I today. That's it. Uh, Deb is sick. And because Deb is sick, Barry is sick. Yeah. And somehow, even though there was no contact between the three of them, Tor- <laughs> Torgo also is sick. Torque. So everybody but us dropping like flies. Yeah, really. And uh, uh, poor Darren was going to jump in and join us for this podcast, but had all kinds of car trouble and chipped tooth and had to go to the dentist this afternoon right before the show. So he was really not in any uh, shape to, to come to the podcast, even though his dad is not visiting in town and wants to go to dinner with him, and he's like, I just don't want to go. I don't feel good. Mm. Uh, I mean, I know how. I mean, any dental procedure. I, there's in All the times I've been to the dentist, well, there's only one time where I had a feeling that I didn't feel icky afterwards yeah. because uh, this one was a, a surface cavity. It wasn't deep, so they didn't have to numb me up. Um it was like a quick drill. I mean, it, literally, the whole thing took like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So they filled this cavity. I was out the door, and I felt great because I hadn't gone through the Novocaine. Because I don't know if I don't. Do you have a reaction to Novocaine? Because I mean, I know it's got epinephrine in it, and it right. jumps up your heart rate. Yeah. And you know, with my high blood pressure, it's you know they're always very cautious. They monitor me after they you oh, know give yeah. me the shot. And, I've been flat out refused work while the. Yeah, because of the blood pressure. So now I have an outstanding uh, a prescription that I can take a little something to further relax me even more oh. before I go in to help. Maybe I need to look into. I mean, they haven't not done the work, but it's just right after the shot. Oh, they! I hate feel it. my heart rate jump yeah. up. Well, they take then, my blood pressure. Yeah, they do too. And with and me. and they they just like yeah no. No, they, it's they, just a little too high. Yeah, they usually like to wait about ten minutes after they give me the Novocaine before they yeah they take my blood pressure so that because there's that initial spike mm-hmm. and then it levels off and, yeah. and when I, it levels off they said I'm I'm good to go. But I also resist Novocaine, so I need extra ah, stuff. Gotcha. They're, they always give me the Novocaine, and I always tell them, okay, I'm going to need more because I uh, it it takes a lot more and they're like oh well we'll see and then they'll start wheat 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 now give you're them like, the nope, signal nope and they're like really oh my goodness and then they go back again and boy oh boy but yeah uh, i i don't know about you but i always feel like icky for a mm-hmm. couple hours even after it's supposed to have worn sure. off like I'll, I'll have the feeling back but i still don't feel good i almost always just i have no day after a, a dental thing, yeah. I come home. I'll just climb into bed. That's probably you know, a good idea because I'm just like, yeah, screw all this. Because I did see it. It's it's like it's it's your body reacts to it like trauma. It's mm-hmm. you know just even just the injection. It's yeah, it reacts to it physically as just a little pinch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Although I, I I don't know if they've done that to you. They they the last time they put a. Uh, a little uh, topical yeah. uh, anesthetic on before they did the injection, yeah. so okay, it yeah. felt a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. But 
Anyway, welcome to dental shock, ladies and gentlemen. There you go, tooth shock. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Darren didn't feel good enough to to join us on the podcast, and uh, since his dad is in town, he automatically got into the chauffeur duty. So, <laughs> so yeah, just the just the two of us. Just the two of us. Um, we can record this if we try. Yep. Just the two. But uh, I guess, since it's just the two of us, what geeky things did you do this week, Kirsten? Wow. Uh, well, you know what? I really wanted to catch up so I could talk about geeky things, and I, uh-huh. hit, a, I hit a wall because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to catch up on Mandalorian. Uh, and uh, I think I know which one you're, you, oh you my got the hit. God. The episode with the, uh, the former Imperials. Mm. I was just like, wow. I'm... Wow. Now, now, see, I don't know if you have this in the news, but they did talk at, at Celebration going on in mm-hmm. London right now. Well, I mean, I guess technically it's over, but I actually found out I have a friend uh, that I grew up with that's over there oh, at cool. Celebration right now. Very nice. And I only found out because I was on Facebook yesterday. I hadn't been really on it in a few days, and I saw pictures of him at Celebration. I'm like, what? Really? That was. I'm like, that's fucking cool. That is in, in in London and going to celebration. But mm-hmm. there's a movie that's going to tie up like Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and uh, Ghost. Uh, shoot, what's the name of that new series? Uh, skeleton is Skeleton Crew. Sorry, Skeleton Crew. Ah. And they're laying the foundation for a lot of that. And I'm pretty sure the episode that you got stuck on was. It's an integral part for the storyline going forward. Yeah, but I know it's a slower episode. Oh boy! Yeah. It, well, it it's slower, and uh, n- nothing against the actor, nothing against him yeah. at all. But I just I don't care about the character, so I was just like, I get that. <sighs> and of course, there's the whole you know the betrayal mechanic where um, like all of us see it coming except for him. Yeah, yeah, that was the other part. It's he like, failed oh, his perception look. throw. Oh, look at <laughs> yeah, really. So it's just like oh, for God's sakes. So, but I did rally, and at least I saw one more episode after that. I mm. think it's the Foundling. Yes. And uh, the foundling gets uh, scooped up by the giant thingy bob. I think they called it a raptor. I'm not a sure yeah. not 100% sure, they but they called it a raptor, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good episode. That was fun. That lots of flying around in jetpacks. Yeah. The one that was on this morning was really good. Yeah. And there's only one episode left after this, so I'm just like, "Oh, Ooh. how the fuck are they going to wrap everything up okay. in one more episode?" So yeah. Foundling episode, another uh, little tidbit. I was watching the credits. Carl Weathers yes, directed. directed. Absolutely. So He was very happy he got to do that because yeah. he's been very excited about getting a chance to do that because mm-hmm. he likes the series a lot. He likes all the actors he works with. and Getting a chance to direct was yeah something that he... I mean, I guess he's directed before, but this I think this is the first time on this series that he's directing. Uh. So, I mean, I'd have to look that up to be sure. I think so too. I don't. I don't recall seeing his name up there before. So you got so. got some Mandalorian on your belt. I mean, yeah, you're catching up a little up. bit. You're a little bit. Up. I didn't manage to catch up uh, to Picard, unfortunately. So I'm still behind on that. Ah. Um, but um, I, you know, I did earlier in the week, long, almost like uh, maybe like the day after the last time we recorded. I watched Blade of the 47 Ronin. Really? Which is the sequel yeah. to Keanu Reeves' 47 Ronin. 
I didn't know that his particular version of it had a sequel. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of is. It it's really funny because it's just a sequel in concept. <laughs> Cuz it takes place during modern times. And oh. and it does a, it does a lot of Tarantino-esque uh, lots of people, you know, walking around the city holding mm-hmm. samurai swords and stuff like that. Um so that was interesting. You know, now, I have to add, since you said it's in modern times, it's probably not this, but you know they when they do those, those uh, I don't know if, what you call it, like a soft sequel where they only have one character from the previous movie right. and they usually die off within the first five or ten minutes of the film and then it's all the new cast and it's literally nothing else to do with the, the previous movie. Well, you know what's really funny? I can't remember Blade, I can't remember 47 Ronin. Really? But by golly, well, I can't remember enough, but by golly, Jeff, there are two characters who get together in the beginning of the movie uh-huh. and get killed. Of course. And uh, I, they may very well have been the tie. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really funny. So, it, you know, it, it, was, it was interesting because it was not, I mean, 47 Ronin had its problems. It wasn't a great movie. It wasn't a fantastic movie, let's say. But uh, this some good action sequences. This though. one very well choreographed. Yeah, this one kind of not quite as good. The acting and stuff was not quite as good. So it uh, overall was a not quite as good version of Forty Seven Ronin. So whatever you thought of that movie, this one is a little less. Ah, gotcha. So you're saying I should skip it then? Um, if you want. I don't ever advise skipping, although, you know, if the way I talk about something makes people feel less interested, there you go. I don't like action. I actually don't like saying, you can afford to miss this, because it's like, I'm, who am I to judge? I don't know who would like what. Maybe it's just my attitude towards film in general, but I usually take something positive out of every sure. thing I've seen. I mean, there's some hot garbage out there, don't yeah. get me wrong, but... Um, but most of the time, there's at least something I can go. Oh, okay, that's cool. Or yeah. there, you know, maybe there's a, a shot that 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 I'm happy to see have seen, and maybe it's something I would want to replicate. Um, I'm trying to think something. of think of his name. Um, there's a uh, uh, he was in uh, he was in John Wick three. Okay. Uh, his name is Mark something or other. Hmm. And he, let me see if I can go to, I'll have to call up the cast. Uh, but he was in it, and oh, he's okay. he's fun. Um, let's see. Cast, 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 cast. Mark DeCascos? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in yeah. a lot of different uh, action films. Yes. Yeah, and he was, he was pretty good. Um, the guy, Daniel Southworth, played the bad guy. Okay. He was he was good. Uh, Mike Moe, who uh, plays uh, it, it, you know this, um, uh, he played one of the the protagonists, mm-hmm. the rebellious dude, and uh, he was pretty cool. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then um, the three female leads: Anna Akana, Chikako Fukuyama, and Luna Fujimoto, all did a nice job as well. So right. it, it you know the the um 
I don't know. It was just, it was just, it, it was just, it was slightly above, you know, a lot of those uh, slap together martial arts movies. In yeah. many ways, it was kind of like that. Although, you know, the 47 Ronin and all that was, was more, supposed to be more of a big budget thingy, but. Right. Um, so, eh, it was okay. It was okay. And uh, good, some good fight choreography, some interesting concepts. So, I did like that for that reason. So, That's good. Um, but, uh, oh, God, what else did I do? Dang it, dang it, dang it. Um, oh, I read, I did read a book. I finally read a book. You read know? a book? I know. Todd's only read like 30 books since the beginning of the year, right? Right. But uh, I read, let me back up here, um, Ken Dow. Spell Slinger by Sebastian de Castell. Okay. So, um, interesting fantasy, uh, fantasy type movie. It's a uh, movie. Listen to me. Fantasy <laughs> a world. This is a world where you have this uh, one. Uh, I don't know if I call it a city. Kind of like a village or a, a community. Mm -hmm. and people are prone to magic. And you've got um, one group of... Well, actually, everybody's prone to magic, but you have until the age of 16 to actually get enough mastery to prove yourself. Mm. And if you prove yourself, then you are part of the upper tier the upper class and if you can't prove yourself you become part of the lower class and literally the lower class becomes servants oh. of the upper class and so it was really interesting because this I don't know if I would call it YA but it definitely was a younger character trying to prove himself and he of course is having having trouble proving himself he's coming up on 16 the clock is ticking and he can't seem to manifest any abilities and then he finds out that there are a series of events going on that have been preventing him from manifesting his abilities mm. and he you know it goes from there and it kind of becomes a refutation of the society um, because there was like this artificial external thing that was going to condemn him to being a servant oh, no. and uh, you know that's just that's just so terrible why deny someone their chance to be upper class right right so but it so it it sort of becomes an upending society as well as coming of age and a few other things and it was interesting enough um, I, I'm not one of these people that think a fantasy world has to have a magic system that actually has laid out rules but at the same time i am entertained when uh when writers actually do create a magic system and they are thorough in their rulemaking so it's always fun to look at the details in that and see how that's built and everything so but i don't know i think there are like five books now and I don't know if I'm going to continue in that. I All think right. I would continue with that Jonathan Mayberry that Todd talked about. Yeah. Um, which the name, of course, I'm blanking on right now. Uh, but 
that one I would more likely continue on than in this one. So I don't know. We huh. will see. Well, at least you got some reading under <clears throat> your belt because I know you had said you haven't. Uh, I was it last week you said you haven't really been able to do much uh, reading for yourself. You've yeah. been doing a lot of reading for work and other yeah. such things. Yeah, and so. you know, and it was really it's really funny too because I. Uh, I've been dealing with a lot of things, so when I've been up and around, I've been working, and this despite the fact that I still haven't gotten all the hours at work I could get, so it's it's still been kind of tight for me in terms of work. Right. But I also, outside of that, have, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, I just I've just been doing a lot of, a lot of sleeping and moping in bed, and... Uh, my schedule is totally fucked. Oh, no. I do like four or five hours uh, right before dawn. Eesh. So uh, at dawn, I'll go to sleep four or five hours. I wake up, and then like maybe six hours later, I'll go back to sleep for another four hours, and then I'll wake up, and then I'm up till dawn, and I'm not even like wanting to do it this way I'm not like happy and excited I'm just trying to get back to sleep and stuff so it's been kind of killing me I've been doing bits and pieces of reading I, I read tons of old reread tons of old short story collections some Robert E. Howard stuff Andre Norton is an author of mine from my childhood I really liked but I haven't really read anything big Spellslinger is like the first book new book I've read in a long time. Ah. They put out a they they're putting out yet again a new series printing of Elric novels from uh Michael Moorcock. He you know they what they as opposed to Lescock. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Cuz science fiction and fantasy folks it needs Moorcock and Dick. Michael Moorcock and Philip K. Dick. Um, but uh, what they do is every few years they put out, you know, an edition. Mm -hmm. And he goes through and he actually updates stuff. He rewrites little bits and pieces because he's constantly, he's constantly adding to the Elric story, despite the fact that Elric was killed off like in the late 60s, early 70s. Huh. So as you can expect, there's a lot of stuff that he rewrites and he writes lots of, you can't even call them prequels okay. because he wrote so many short stories, they're interlaced within all of his stories. So every few years, yet another publishing house will put out a new series of books and he'll add a story or two and he rewrites a few things for continuity reasons and he does all that. And then, uh, you know, it'll go out of print. And then a few years later, someone else will do something. So, Gotcha. So um, I got the first book of this latest series coming out, and I've been reading that on and off. I just go back and forth on it. And it's been interesting because I can tell he's improved the prose from when he first wrote the very first story mm. in the 1960s. So that's been interesting. Um, and of course, it's also interesting because uh, Michael Moorcock is a uh, featured writer in New Age Sword and Sorcery number one that'll be coming out in uh, God, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, the Kickstarter's fulfilled, 
So I think we're talking the fall of the printing. Okay. So, yeah. So it's sort of been like that. Um, I, like I said, it's been financially tight, so I haven't been able to haven't been able to do a Kickstarter. I haven't been able to buy any kind of new games or anything on the uh, internet, which is kind of like been my hobby lately. Yeah. Buying our tabletop RPGs, even if I'm not going to play them. I really like studying game design, wh- whether it's the raw mechanics or how people approach world building, uh, setting building for a game. So I do collect a lot of those, but uh, I haven't been able to do that lately. So that's been kind of frustrating. I'll bet. But huh, let me think hard. I believe that's really what I've got to report on. I, okay. I, man. I saw, I've seen, uh, I watched the, did uh, Steve and I talk about, was was this after, no, uh, well, well, yeah, it could have been, the Ipcris file, did Steve Uh, and I talk about that? No, we did, I don't think we talked about that, because we saw it, oh yeah, we saw it after, oh shit, we uh, we did the podcast. No, he he came in, he came in, uh, yeah, and we saw it after, and you were there. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So uh, that's something else I did, Jeff. If Steve were here, uh, yeah, uh, Kirsten and Steve and I, uh, we all watched The Ipcris File starring Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah. Old 70s, uh, yeah. 60s, 70s series um, based on Lynn Dighton novels. And the, the goal from Saltzman, Harry Saltzman, producer of James Bond movies, was to sort of shoot for a working class James Bond. Yep. And he cast Kane after Kane made his debut in Zulu, right? Which was hilarious because we were we were watching part of the uh, the interview with Kane, and he was talking about how Zulu he did an aristocratic accent, and here it is, Saltzman's like talking to him. I want you, I want you to use your normal accent. I want you to be working class, and he's like, well, I can do that. But it was just weird that a producer was like, I want to do that. And uh, hadn't even, you know, auditioned him or anything. But he was all like, I think you'd be good for this. And apparently, like, is it, uh, is it uh, Chandler's or Dashiell Hammett? I forget. The Continental Op. Is yeah. A, 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 a noir private eye from the early 21st century. This is, it's funny because you never know his name in all the short stories written right. about the Continental Op. And apparently in Dighton, it's a similar thing. You don't get the guy's name. And uh, Saltzman and Kane actually had to come up with Harry Palmer. Right, Cause, and he, they said they wanted uh, the most boring name. Boring, bland name. And he's like, well, Harry's pretty boring. And he's like, oh, my God, Harry, I'm so sorry, Harry Saltzman. And uh, Saltzman's like, that's okay. My first name's actually Herschel. And... Uh, and then uh, Palmer, I guess, was somebody he knew from school or somebody who was about the blandest yes. person he had ever known. So, and that was a series. There were a couple movies, um, and that's supposed to be what actually made uh, made uh, Michael Caine a, a star. So, so that was interesting. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It certainly wasn't a high action no. drama. Uh, definitely more uh, mystery. Yep. 
than anything else. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Because it's like we want a working class bond and this this spy definitely does a lot more thinking than the bond in the movies right does not in the books but in the movies he definitely did a lot more puzzling things out figuring things out and then of exactly. course the the whole attempt at uh, brainwashing and his resistance of it was interesting yeah and harry uh wasn't alone in the investigation like there were key contributors on his team yes that you know together they kind of uh figured out what was going on until harry gets captured which is a whole nother right element of the film that um, was really cool to that yeah. that one guy's like hey hey look at this ipcris and then he like it's an, an acronym for and it's like wow you yep. know, ordinarily, uh, Michael Caine's character would be the one who would figure that shit yes, out. Yes, exactly. I thought that was an interesting touch where somebody else is bringing to his attention yeah. the uh, you know the central part of the story. Mm-hmm. So, so that was that was actually kind of that was actually cool. that was a lot of fun. And of course, we watched yeah. a lot of fail vids uh, in memory of uh, Mr. Wilmer. Yes. And, um, uh, pre broken tooth, uh, Darren yes. showed up, and yep. we. Uh, we had a few salutes. Yeah, we we had a couple toasts. Uh, watched some crazy, crazy people doing some crazy, stupid stuff. Uh, and Never those, those things. Yeah, right. You know, pun intended. There. <laughs> it's. It, it, I, I'm. It's. I can never figure out how people do some of the dumbest things. Mm-hmm. And it's like you see what they're wanting to do, and you're watching the approach going. No normal sane person would do it this way, but here is a person doing it just yeah. like this. Yeah. Like sawing on a roof while you're standing on the <laughs> roof. I mean, come on. The thing is going to collapse and you're standing on the part that's about to collapse. Oh, yeah. That was sweet. That yeah. was pretty that was pretty crazy. Uh, well, I, yeah. So or uh, or the ones that you don't know what they were doing. Yeah. Like there was that 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 car that yeah. people were trying to push out of the surf. Yeah. It's just like, why was it that close to the waterline? <laughs> what happened? Where the sand likes to liquefact and then just yeah. basically turn into a sliding mush or mm-hmm. quicksand, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I Those those videos, they're entertaining, but man, ugh, why, why do people do some of this stuff? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's basically that's basically my report. I did okay. do a few things. So I'm trying to I'm just trying to reorganize my schedule and I'm I'm trying to get work to get me some more work. So but right in and around that uh I'm just reading. I'll just like read a couple pages on my Kindle. Yeah. And then I'll out of that book and into another book and I'm just like trying to find something that catches me and holds me. Well, um, I was going to say what I did. Uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, first of which is after we recorded the podcast last week, I did go see Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I will say, start with the positives. Um, I really enjoyed the cast. I thought they had really good chemistry. Right. Um, the movie was certainly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyline, not all that different from a lot of your action adventure fantasy films yeah but certainly a a different enough take on it that mm-hmm. it was worth watching um 
I'm I'm interested to see if they get a sequel out of this because yeah. it did seem like it was setting up for mm-hmm. perhaps a series of films featuring these characters. Yeah, I'm reading a lot of people are saying flop. I don't know if it has flopped. I, Internationally, it's about 125 million sure. against its 150 million budget, but that's just in two weeks. Now, I will say from my perspective, I am not a hardcore D&D person. Yeah. So while I did find it enjoyable, I f- did also feel like I was missing out did on you? a lot of the information because just what I do know about Dungeons & Dragons, or can remember, because it has been a long time mm-hmm. since I've actually been part of a right. campaign or played actively. Um, there were Easter eggs here and there that I was seeing in the background and stuff like, oh, that's kind of cute and... You know, I did connect with the characters for sure, mm-hmm. but I noticed that I wasn't deeply drawn into it like a lot of people who are D and D fans were. Right. So whether that is simply my lack of current knowledge about where the game is, even even being on the podcast and listening to you guys yeah. talk about you know where the you know what what the current state of Dungeons and Dragons is, and you played you know, your preferences a lot of editions ago. So yeah, oh well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny when when Barry and I played at the um, at the uh, the Tiki Lounge, uh, uh, Red Dwarf, mm-hmm. uh, when we had the the uh, the D and D night. Yeah, that's the first time I I counted it back. That's the first time I had played in like twenty eight years. Wow, that's even before uh, freaking uh, yeah, it's before third I moved edition. Out here. Yeah. My goodness. So Yeah, there have been a lot of changes. Yeah. And this one exactly. the what what they did observe of the D and D rules was very fifth edition. So That's what I gathered just from reading some of the reviews. But um Yeah. Well I was curious. I was curious how you felt about that because uh it's funny. Um I was actually shocked. One of my favorite YouTubers on gaming, mm-hmm. uh, Dungeon Craft is the channel. Professor Dungeon Master is the YouTuber. He actually re- was not happy with the movie, and I was actually kind of surprised at that because he's very good at being open-minded and even-handed. Sure, but he really, he really laid into it. But most people I know who play, I know p- who play, enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I asked informally on Facebook people who haven't played, who've seen it, how they feel. And o- overall, everyone was like, oh, I enjoyed it. So I was kind of curious, you know, how you were going to feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Was it, is it a movie that I would rush out to see again? No. Mm-hmm. Am I glad I saw it? Yes. All right. Well, that's good. Um, I would be interested to see another movie with this cast for sure. Yeah. These characters are compelling, and there's a, uh, I think, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without it coming off as negative. I think if you had to pick one wink link in that cast, it would be uh, the young lady that played the druid. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like we didn't get a whole lot of character development with her. Right. It was just like, she's just kind of there to be the, yeah. the shapeshifter. It, you know, they, they didn't really, it seemed like they started to, to dig into her background and mm-hmm. why, you know, why she doesn't quote trust humans, et cetera. But it also felt like that was where they left it. So we got a lot of 
character background on uh, on the lead character and you know his yeah. his his warrior best friend mm-hmm. slash uh, stepmother to his daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, which was nice. Yeah, uh, non romantic. Exactly, thing, just buddies. Yeah, it's it, you know it's a familial love without being a, a love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like that take on it because. Yeah. So many times it's, you know, somebody's there and then they eventually fall in love and it's like, ah, oh, I hate that because it's, it's too easy a trope. Yeah. But I did like where they, you know, they both realized that they were just friends. They had mm-hmm. no romantic feelings for yeah. each other, but they were tied together by their friendship and their mutual love for the child. Right. So right. I, I, I found that a... a, a a very refreshing actually mm-hmm. take and not your standard Hollywood yeah you know blueprint for how relationships are in a movie that was kind of cool I was very I was very pleased with that actually it was uh, one of the things I was really pleased with I like the wizard he was very entertaining you know the the lack of confidence and right you know clearly he can use magic and he's probably better at it than he thinks he is mm-hmm. but his lack of confidence is causing his spells to fizzle right a, a lot so that and it, was it, it's funny too in a gaming sense mm-hmm. because he was a sorcerer now sorcerers their prime ability is charisma yeah that's what their all the mechanics of their spell work is based off of so this whole concept of a high charisma but really low self-esteem guy was actually kind of kind of amusing to see and look at from that perspective absolutely so i did uh i did i did like that approach so yeah i mean it's it's a good film i recommend people see it uh, especially if you're into anything fantasy related it's a good fantasy story removing the D&D element. Sure. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I, I, I was wondering, because I didn't think that the, the inside baseball really burdened no, the movie. It, it, so I didn't... It didn't you know, overly burden it. I'll, yeah. I'll just say that mm-hmm. from my perspective. Okay. Um, I did feel at certain points that I was missing some information because mm-hmm. I recognized some of the words, but <laughs> the context in which... They would be related to the gaming system. I did right. find a little bit confusing. Yeah, but. it wasn't. It wasn't a perfect movie, and I remember coming out of it the first time. I was kind of lukewarm, and then mm-hmm. I grew. It kind of grew on me, and then I watched it the second time, and I enjoyed it even more. Um, that was really funny too, because uh, I I went with uh, Maple Leaf and Mrs. Maple Leaf, as well as Major Meh oh, okay. and Rum Cake again. <clears throat> And they did this preview thing, and it was like, thank you so much for joining us here to watch Dungeons and & Dragons and see it on the screen, and da 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 And then they proceeded to show bits and pieces, and they showed so much that at the end of it, before the movie started, I turned to uh, Matt and Paulette, and I was like, well, we can go now. And Matt was like, yeah, right? <laughs> he was a little <laughs> irritated because... They showed a shitload more than the trailer. Oh wow! Which was interesting. Um, but I enjoyed it more the second time. Okay. And watching bits and pieces, I really did enjoy. And there's there's so many little touches that they did that I have to kind of respect. I think one reviewer I read said it very nicely. This movie really was better than it had any business being. 
okay. as a like a Dungeons and Dragons, regardless of budget, just making a Dungeons and Dragons movie, this thing was better than it had any reason to be. And I think that well, it had a pretty low bar. To yes, it did. For, yes, for it did. entry because. That last Dungeons and Dragons movie was just god awful. Yeah. There was, I mean, and it had some talented actors yeah. in it. It just yeah. it was. Uh, well, the very first one, garbage in two thousand, they yeah, tr- yeah. they tried way too hard. Yeah, they tried way too hard, and then um, in the straight to cable video, I don't know, you know, early two thousands, what that era would be. Yeah. Um, just say straight to video. Yeah. That works. That, I, that's that's enough of a catch-all that I think yeah. most people will get it. I forget that's which what I do. <laughs> number was. I don't even remember the title, but the third one. I think it was the second sequel, the third one. It had Actually, two sequels? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. I knew it had one, no. but wow. Dude, I, I think it might have had three sequels. I think there were what? four of them. Yeah. Okay, that's really surprising. They, I, they, I they no did a idea. couple of them, but one of them, I believe it was D&D 3. Mm-hmm. Was actually not that bad. It was definitely a low budget straight to video. Okay, but it was actually not that bad. Okay. So, um, but yeah, like you said, when it comes to the big screen, a uh, very low bar. And uh, yeah, I hope they have enough hope for it that they do a sequel. You know, um, right now, so far, everybody's talking about Maganello is doing a Dragonlance TV show. Nice. So um, that actually is, uh, is, uh, is in the works. And that's something he's passionate about, too. He's very passionate. So, he's very passionate. Yeah. So I'm not a big Dragonlance fan, but nevertheless, he's passionate about it. And, well, God, there's, there's a shitload of Dragonlance fans, so what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. So maybe Gotta give the people what they want. Sort of. <laughs> I saw an interview. This is really funny because they they asked them, "Have you guys played? Did uh-huh. you guys play uh, like in your preparation?" And it turns out they did. Uh, Wizards of the Coast sent out one of their their uh, DM DMs who will demonstrate or run people through games, and this person created a scenario and. They didn't talk about this. I don't think they talked about this before the movie came out to avoid spoilers. But basically, it was all their characters after the movie. Hmm. And it was a scenario after the movie. And they said that they played that. And it was actually kind of funny, um, the things that they talked about. Because like Bards, which was... uh, um, Chris Pine's character. Can By the way, Chris Pine played a really good bard. Yeah. I, gotta, I just got to say. I like, I have to say, I hate bards. And it was really funny because <laughs> they wanted to, they they obviously wanted to compart, compartmentalize like magic use. Uh-huh. So they really kept it to the, the sorcerer dude, Justice Smith, uh, playing Simon. Um, because druids can cast spells, bards can cast spells, paladins can cast spells, and none of them really did any spell casting. The druid shape changed. That was that. Didn't she do like some minor spell or like reference that she could do? So she's like, that's like kids' magic. I could do that or something like that. It was like a throwaway yeah. line. Well, there was th- that line was in there, but it wasn't her. Okay. I don't know if uh, if you're thinking of something else, but yeah. Um, but in the game. They could do that, and apparently Chris Pine's favorite bard spell was Animal Friendship. 
<laughs> and they were joking around how every time something would happen to his character, one of the, he he would shout "animal friendship," and like you know, literally like he's he falls off a cliff and he's like, <laughs> "I cast animal friendship," you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> they were laughing about stuff like that. Um, but it was really really interesting. And yeah, his character. We were talking about Simon, the uh-huh. low esteem, low self esteem sorcerer. Yes. And one of the things I like that they did is having Chris Pine character talk him up. Right. And and boost him up. And I liked it because he was actually uh Pine was actually sincere. Mm-hmm. He was playing it sincere. So uh it wasn't like he, you know, his character was blowing smoke up his ass right. just to get him to do the job. He was like, dude, you can do this. You and you know, and he starts talking about all the things he could do and everything. And I always appre- I appreciated that. I think he sold that very well. So, and then and oh, dude, it's so weird too because another reviewer said Michelle Rodriguez looks more engaged yes. than she has in a while. And one person was actually like, "Oh, she looks like she was going through the motions." And I'm like, I didn't see uh, that. No, I I I just say I would I would vehemently disagree. Yeah. In fact, she did at many points of the film, looked like she was genuinely enjoying herself. Um, And I don't just mean the character enjoying what they were doing, but um, it was a very natural performance. It didn't feel forced. Right. Um, Maybe the fact that it was, I mean, she played played a very... Well, it's something so different than what she's played before. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, she's played the the quote-unquote tough chick in films and, you know everything related to that yeah. that archetype but no this is i mean we don't often get in movies where they have the quote unquote warrior and have it be a woman right which is obviously and what they were going for here exactly i think they were trying to turn you know turn that typical of the you know the cisgender dms that only want to run the game the way they see it, mm-hmm. and yeah, the man babies yes. complained about oh, that yeah, sort of absolutely. thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but um, no, she was good, and I liked. I really liked the chemistry with her and Pine. I think they worked well together. Yes, I think the others worked well together, but I think those those two really had it. Yeah. Um. So I enjoyed that. I hope there's a sequel. We'll see, and I'll I'll see it again. Um. I'm not gonna see it in the theater, but boy, when it starts streaming, I'm gonna see it again. Well, uh, before we move on, I do want to talk about one more thing. Uh, I did also go see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Ah, you know what? Uh The trailer came out. Mm -hmm. I I forget what the hell I was watching. This was a month ago. And I saw that trailer. And, dude, I wasn't interested in seeing the movie until I saw that trailer. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know when I'll get to see it. But what would you think? So, spoiler-free review... I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely written for kids. I'll just throw that right out there. Yeah. But part of the reason I wanted to bring it up is I have read, since I watched it yesterday, I have read a few of the reviews, and I don't know what freaking movie these reviewers are watching <laughs> because I just I don't see where they were getting their point of view. Uh-huh. It's almost like we were watching two different films. Um, It's not a super complex movie as far as Mm story-wise because, again, it is geared towards children. Um, 
I'd say I'd say children and teens mostly. Right. Um, there's a lot of little Easter eggs in it, though, for our generation that grew up with the mm-hmm. home console and stuff. But the overall storyline is definitely geared more t- towards kids. But I found it enjoyable. I thought the voice acting was really good. Uh, I thought all of the characters were performed as I would think they would be in a in a Mario Brothers game. Uh-huh. Um, I just I thought it was an enjoyable film. All right. Um, all it's right. not. It's not. There's not a lot of movies that I'll rush back out to watch a second or a third time. So mm-hmm. having said that, it's not a movie I would rush out to watch again. But I'm also glad that I watched it. Mm. I'd had uh, a, a good time watching it. It was enjoyable. So, um, so for anybody in our audience that's on the fence about it, check it out. All right. Check it out for yourself. Don't let a lot of these man baby reviews and <laughs> a lot of these other because that's that's what kind of brought it up. We were talking about the man babies. Yeah. Uh, don't let those reviews spoil your entertainment because it is a fun movie. It's got some nods to how the character has that really heavy kind of fake Italian accent in the game. But that's not how Chris Pratt performs the character mm-hmm. throughout the film. There's mm-hmm. subtle nods to it, and the explanations why make perfect sense. All right. So that's right. that's what I want to say about that. Uh, again, check it out if you're at all remotely interested in video game adaptations. Uh, I can't talk now. Video game adaptations. Check it out. This is a good one. I I actually don't like Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. I never really played the original game and Mario Kart. I could not fucking stand it. I I, I hate Mario just, Kart. Oh I always my God. So you know. Yeah. I, so originally, I was just totally like lukewarm about this. But I'm telling you, that trailer actually snagged my interest, and I'm like, this is actually something I'd I'd come out and see. I'm yeah. kind, I'm kind of sad. Came out the week after D and D because D and D, you know, had a soft, a kind of soft opening, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, well, you know, it's just like the season. It's just, and then no, Mario comes out and boom, just smashes records and busts shit up, and I'm like, eh, crap. Okay, but yeah, that was one of the things I was noticing is like the. The critic score versus the audience score mm-hmm. is a huge gap between the two. Yeah. Usually that gap's fairly narrow, right, but right. this is another one where the critic score was very low, but the audience score was fairly high. So yeah. I I more often than not go with the audience score um, unless it's a reviewer that I find that I'm very similar in likes sure. to. Uh, Movie Bob is a good one. Yeah. I don't always agree with Movie Bob. But um, the way he explains himself, yes. even if I don't agree with exactly, him, I see exactly. where he's coming from, and yes. I can appreciate. And, I, and sometimes I'll reverse barometer, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, well, I know he doesn't like that kind of stuff, but that sounds like my thing. And he also doesn't usually go overly harsh when, no. when it is a criticism yeah. as opposed to a critique. Right. He doesn't go like, you know, he'll be like, well, you know, it wasn't for me, but this is what I felt. Mm-hmm. And and he'll he'll give a good yeah just like you said give a good explanation for why he didn't yeah. didn't like that so 
Well, I guess we should probably move on to the other portion of the show. Other are we portion? going? Are we going? Are we going right to Week in Geek, or do we have to do the painful portion of the show, Kirsten? Actually, we could do some news you don't give a shit about. Damn it! Damn it! Uh, this will be fun because I don't think you're going to give a shit. Okay. Um, Probably not. Wired. Yes. Did an article on Brandon Sanderson. Okay. Brandon Sanderson. Uh, author, right? Yep. Biggest fantasy author in existence right now. Um, and people may talk about George R.R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. but considering that Martin hasn't written a book or written a book in Game of Thrones series and like, what is it now, 10 years? Uh, Sanderson writes books for lunch. Okay. Um, and Wired actually sent someone out to Utah to meet Sanderson and hang out with him for a couple days to do a piece. And it was really funny because Wired actually promoted the piece on Twitter by saying, here is a piece on Brandon Sanderson. Uh, In the five months it took our writer to write this piece, Sanderson has written two novels. Wow. (laughs) Which is actually something Sanderson does. Now, the, the, the piece came to my attention because a lot of people are calling it a savage hatchet job. Okay. I mean, there are lines in there where this guy is sort of like I drove several uh, several hours in the ice and snow from San Francisco to Utah for this you know that kind of thing okay and he kind of talks about Sanderson's blandness he actually bitches that he really didn't get anything quotable from Sanderson for like three days of visiting him or something Hmm. so a lot of people we're complaining about it. Now, I read the article, and it is not a super, it's not positive, really, but it I, I didn't quite feel that it was the hatchet job a lot of people said it was. And, and when I say a lot of people, I'm talking about this is the Discord I'm on, the Sword okay. and Sorcery Discord, so there are a lot of writers and editors on here, and boy, everybody's just, like, rankling. That would explain why I... Because, I mean, I'm aware of who he is. I have not read anything of his. But on YouTube lately, I keep getting stuff yes. popping up about... People the, have been talking about this article. Exactly. They've been, and, yes. and, and, and what's fascinating is I've been getting videos that cover both sides. Both people that agree that it's a hatchet job mm-hmm. and people that defend the article yeah. as it is, saying right. this is, you know... I'm not going to fully defend it. But the guy's thesis is actually pretty uh, important okay. because it's Brandon Sanderson is the biggest man, the biggest person in fantasy book publishing right now. Why is nobody talking about him? Because it's true. He's yeah. the one who did the Kickstarter that made multi-millions of dollars, broke mm-hmm. records for... Uh, a Kickstarter for books um, last year. And he's also a very kind person. He actually took a lot of that money and he threw it right back into Kickstarter. Oh, wow. He went through and he found anything that was not any book Kickstarter that was not, you know, pornographic, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually, I think 
he actually bumped them up to their goals, whatever they were lagging by. So he fulfilled a whole mess of book Kickstarters with his money. Now, isn't he Mormon? Yes. So that would be, yeah, yeah, there's... There's the the pornographic act. I was going to say, that would definitely be why he wouldn't fund anything that would be remotely, uh, you know, even if it's pornographic or even even remotely erotic, it would be something he would avoid. And uh, the writer actually touches on the fact that he's Mormon. Right. So there's there's some the and this writer is obviously of uh, anti-religion. I mean, we're not talking simply atheist. This guy is anti-religion. He's okay. Anti-Mormon. He takes his pot shots. Um. He takes his pot shots. Actually, he takes a couple pot shots at Sanderson's family, which oh. is like he's living as a guest with them. Right. While he's doing this whole business, and he is. St- still taking little shots here and there. So. Wow. Yeah, so, and that's what irked a lot of people. So, and, you know, there was stuff in there that I was just like, God, dude, what are you doing? So, I'm not I'm not completely sold on the complete hatchet job. It was not, uh, and it wasn't a very illuminating article. And the guy sat there, and he's just like, he didn't give me anything. And it's like, well, dude, you know, you're a journalist. You're supposed to... Even if it's reading between the lines, you're supposed to figure that shit out. That's your job. I will so. just say from personal experience, because I grew up around a lot of Mormons, I have a lot of extended family that are that are Mormon, and they're not the most entertaining people. They're <laughs> fairly boring. So um, I could see where he would just be... Act, not right. even acting. He's just being himself. Oh, sure. And... That would definitely be perceived by an author. He's like, he's not giving me anything. Was, well, because yeah. he's got nothing to give you. He's right, just, right. he's just being his normal. Uh, hesitate to use the word milk toast, mm-hmm. but just very kind of maybe bland self. Yeah, he's just being himself, and the writer is perceiving that as mm-hmm. being, you know, either evasive or, you know, not giving him any quotes because a lot of those types of people channel their talent into their actual writing because in real life that's it's a completely different person from who they are as a writer right they, they channel all that onto the page one thing that that actually gets touched on in this article is uh, apparently sanderson really doesn't feel pain it's hmm. kind of odd uh, they were talking about both physical and emotional he really doesn't feel that and one of the comments, one of the gists was that, you know, one of the few things that you could call quotable, and I think that the guy could have rolled on, was Sanderson said, uh, I think I do write my characters so I can write about a person's pain because I really don't get, you know, I really don't experience my own. Gotcha. And um, and they there's talk about world building. There's talk about... Uh, fans and stuff like that. So it was, and what also, uh, Jeff D. One of the <laughs> this guy admits to reading like maybe maybe seventeen, eighteen, twenty of Sanderson's books, mm-hmm. and he still sat there and bitched about his prose and and stuff like that. Is is you know Sanderson isn't a very great writer and stuff. Although he did make a very good point. Because Sanderson's prose is very transparent, as they say. It's very simple. Yeah. And you know what? 
um, I think this uh, uh, this writer actually said it, and once again, this is a missed opportunity for him to talk about something. He's, he said that probably what helps make these 1,200-page bullet stoppers readable, you know, people can eat them up because the prose is so simple. And I think that's actually a very good point to make. Mm-hmm. And a very, a very uh, actual, uh, a good observation of of how Sanderson is successful. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I I haven't had the opportunity to read the Wired article, but mm. it does seem like there was a certain amount of personal bias that was yes. present before he sat down to write the I article. I think so. Um, I know it's impossible to completely remove any personal bias from writing because it's sure. always there a little bit but yeah, I think you, you should yeah. at least strive to be as or acknowledge neutral it, as possible acknowledge it and and then deal with it yes. you know through the prism of your writing absolutely okay? I'm not big on Mormons I'm not big on religion so how religion informed his writing was of interest to me something like that yes know? that so, would have been a good way to preface yeah. the so if anybody article. stumbles across this, because Wired, mm-hmm. prob- I think Wired may very well be the biggest, the biggest magazine to actually profile Sanderson. So it's like it's slow. It's like a slow moving up in the world, and it is a good point because he is financially, in terms of sales, in terms of numbers of books, he totally is bigger than Martin. So why aren't more people talking about Brandon Sanderson and his writing? So if anybody uh, should stumble across the article and read it, and you got some comments, if you're a Kofi member and you're on the Discord, or go to the Shock Monkeys layer um, on Facebook, I'd be interested in hearing what you guys had to say about it. Uh, As a side note, Sanderson showed himself to be a man of class, and as... um, uh, Reddit blew up with everybody getting angry uh, at this guy. Sanderson came on and he's like, I really appreciate all the nice things people are saying about me, but guys, seriously, ease up. He's a human being like all of us, and I don't know where he was going with that and I'm baffled by some of his stuff, but still. And he was just a really class act about it. Well, that's good. Yeah, which is, it's kind of funny because that's in juxtaposition to another news you don't give a shit about. Oh, boy. I know. <clears throat> You're getting a double whammy. And, uh-huh. and, Jeff D., it's another fantasy writer story. Oh, well. There's a guy who uh, did a review on um, a Larry Correa novel. And, of course, I don't have the novel name written down. Now, once again, I discovered this on the Discord I'm a part of, mm-hmm. um, but it was really funny because I see the link and somebody wrote, "Oh, Larry, don't read the reviews <laughs> because he had he had really he had really just laced into this guy." It almost sounds like, uh, uh, well, you and I both know Day- Dayton Ward, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> sometimes he reads the reviews of his books. Just for fun, yeah. Uh, most of the time, he's a very Dayton Ward's a very interesting author because most of the time he just really doesn't give a shit about 
what people think of his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, he will certainly take the praise, but he also doesn't really care when the negative reviews come out. But sometimes he will read them for entertainment value and, of course, make fun of them. So yeah. uh, I wonder if that's the same kind of thing. Yeah, well, in this case, no. no. Because in this case, Correa went went got a little angry at this guy. Did he go off on the... Uh, he went off on him. Oh, boy. I'm totally kicking myself because of all the stuff I've got referenced and ready here, I don't have this one. <laughs> Forgot to write it down in your notes <laughs> Yes, there. I did, and it's just like, it's not showing up. But um, he exploded on... The, the, the reason is, we talked about the Amazon algorithm. Mm-hmm. We talked about how... If you have less than five stars, if you like the author, maybe consider not submitting your review because anything less than five stars actually negatively affects right. the Amazon algorithm. Uh, I know we've talked about that um, on our show. Where yeah. We have promoted uh, J.R. Conkle's right, book, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, well, this guy, and it's really funny because this guy actually says, I read uh, Correa's latest book and um, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a good book, but it's the second book in a series, and I'm so sick of people not finishing their series, and I'm just a little older than Correa, and I don't know if he's going to live long enough to finish this series. I'm just just tired of people not finishing. So I'm giving this one two stars. Wow. Yes. For a book they like, they gave two stars? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. And Correa... Boom! He exploded, and I mean exploded. Uh, just epithets and profanity going on. He actually was taking shots at Patrick Rothfuss and uh, George R. R. Martin because they have uh, Scribo interrupt this in that they haven't finished their series. Right. And they haven't even touched him in years. And, and Correa is prolific. Correa turns out a couple books a year. He's very reliable. He he does very well. The guy is not even fucking 50 years old, so he's really? probably going to be around right. He even points out, you're a little older than me. Well, buddy, I'm 40, I, 47, 49, something like uh. that. He's like, I'm that age, and I just, I plan on living. I don't know about you and your flabby, flaccid little, and he's just, wow. He, it, it was comical, but it was also, he really exploded. Um, and it was just, it was really interesting to see because he was pissed. I found out that, that there are things going on in his personal life that you can't really talk about, uh, but he's been under some strain, and so he actually uh, probably has been on edge, and this didn't help, but yeah. uh, he, uh, he really went off on this guy. So it was kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. It was quite the little uh, to do, actually. Wow! But it and the guy, the reviewer, was out of line because, like you said, two stars for a book you liked because you've got a gripe against other authors who haven't finished their series. The whole thing is bullshit because Correa is a very reliable writer. He's a right wingy. Mm-hmm. I I don't like his politics at all um but he's an incredibly reliable writer he produces stuff and if you're a fan of his 
you can be assured that you're going to be getting books from him you know, every year, and if you're a fan of a particular series, you're going to get a book from him in that series every other year or something. Sure. So that was just totally out of line. So that was a wow. very interesting moment I in the whole thing. I don't understand people's review personalities because yeah. uh, uh, personality is not the right word. Their their points of view when they write these views because reviews because I mean I've been in the food beverage business for a long time and I typically don't like to read reviews for the very reason that they'll rate something one or two stars and the first like three quarters of the review will be positive things like service was great Mm. uh, very attentive Mm. atmosphere was great blah 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 but I'm only giving it two stars because I felt like the food was overpriced or I felt like uh, the dishes didn't quite live up to the hype. But it's just like, I don't understand yeah. that point yeah. of view. I mean, if you're going to certain types of restaurants, you've got to know mm-hmm. that you're paying a premium not for the actual food itself. That's a, a part of it, but you're paying more for the atmosphere and the service. Right. And, and the way people will flip. Yeah. On a dime, too. Because in my brief time as a server, one of the most dramatic things I ever had was an incredibly friendly couple. The guy was very nice. He talked me up the whole time, Mm -hmm. had a great time. And right at the end, I did what I was taught by my trainer because I I, uh, gave him the bill. He put in it, and he gave it back to me, and I said, okay. Uh, do you want me to come back with your change? Mm-hmm. He, apparently, for a lot of older generation, yeah. that's a bit of a sneering, oh, would you like this change back? Like, you didn't give me enough of a tip. Now, I didn't even look. Yeah. Right? It was a closed thingy bomb. But that guy blew up. He, yeah. He yelled at me right there in front of people. He complained to the manager. He just He just went off i was mystified my trainer was stunned because she's like she did she would literally say you know can i bring back your change and they would say no you're good man oh okay thank you so much you have but he just and he flipped he flipped man i probably went from five star to one star with that one moment so some people can get extremely temperamental about one little fucking thing i i I know that yeah a lot because one thing apparently ruins the entire experience. It's like the one minor gripe that you have suddenly undoes everything else that that -hmm. went on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting you say that too because uh, one of the things that I have done as a trainer uh, is a modification of that uh, because the way your trainer taught you does sound like you're uh, assuming they don't want their change back. And what we typically teach is that when somebody hands you cash now, we say, let me grab your change and I will be right back. Right. Yeah, don't you're ask. Giving, you're making it an open... Don't ask. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, give, you're leaving it open for them to say, yes. oh, you know what? Keep the change. No, you're good. Yeah. yeah. You're, no, you're, no, you're yeah, implying I, that you're going to go do something yeah. that they're expecting you yeah. to do and then I they, learned, they change their mind. I learned from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's interesting you say it that way because... For decades, a lot of people did it that way. Yeah. 
And it does not surprise me that your trainer would have taught you. Dude, my trainer was way. in her 60s and yeah. she'd been waiting tables her whole yep. life. Yep. And she said she had never ever yeah. been been attacked like that. Oh, I I'm I'm very much aware of it cuz uh, especially um, the older I get, I find that uh, the type of restaurant I work in, you've got more and more of the older generation that you're waiting on. Yeah. So you're trying to navigate their own personal biases mm-hmm. <laughs> prior to sitting down. You know, if they've never been in your restaurant before, what they're expecting versus what they're actually getting yeah. can be a huge deal. And it doesn't matter what you do. One minor misstep in their perception, it might be something that you are supposed to do as a procedure in your particular outlet, you know, mm-hmm. steps of service, etc. cetera. Uh, for example, in fine dining, typically you have a lead weight that will approach the table and they're the ones that present the menu. Yeah. Whereas I had some guests the other day that we have a sequence where you have um, a server assistant that provides water. Then you have a beverage server that gets yeah. the beverage menu out on the table. And then I would go in for the approach. And it was really fascinating when I did my approach. And the first thing this guest said was like, can, can, we, can we get that menu, please? We've been sitting here forever. We haven't got the menu yet. <laughs> and of course, then having to explain to them that in a very polite way, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, we don't present menus from the host because as as a captain, I am your actual menu, and I'm here to help you navigate through our menu because yeah. our menu is not like a typical restaurant menu. It's very different in the way that we do things. You uneducated from the street, great unwashed. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but it is fascinating once I started getting into it with the guest. Uh, well, not, not in a negative way, but once I started describing how our menu works and, mm-hmm. and how we do things, they suddenly got, oh, I see now why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, so that was yeah. a positive experience out of this. Right. It can go the other way very quickly. True. Like, just just give me a menu so I can order what I want. And then they look at the menu like, I don't understand oh, anything well, on that, here. Well, that's the other thing about where you work is they'll get the menu and they'll yep. be like, okay, I don't see the uh, cream of usual American stuff. Yes. And, uh, the a side order of what Americans usually expect with this, yep. <laughs> and you guys don't do that. No, we have a very specific type of cuisine, and it's very fascinating when people are start asking you, "Well, where is this at?" We don't have that. <laughs> well, what if I want a salad? We don't have salads. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why don't you have blah blah blah? And I'm like, because that's not our style of cuisine. Yeah. I always think of the big night. Mm-hmm. The movie with uh, Stanley Tucci and yes, uh, Tony yes, Shalhoub, absolutely, where they play the high end Italian place. Yep, and Tony Shalhoub just and 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 it's funny because it's right there. The the woman will say, and I'll have the usual side of uh, spaghetti, mm-hmm. and Tucci's like, well, actually, we don't do a side of spaghetti, and she's like, what? Everybody does a side of spaghetti, and he's like, we're not that kind of Italian. Mm-hmm. And then Shalhoub, who's the temperamental brother, just. Just wants to kill. Yeah. When he gets the oh, and give him a side of spaghetti. <laughs> I, I I used to call it the the Applebee's effect because, <clears throat> yeah. you know, prior to restaurants like that, you would typically you order everything separate. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't order an entree and then expect all these other things to come with it. You, yeah, yeah. You order your entree. You order your sides. If you want a salad, you order a salad, yeah, yeah. etc. 
Uh, and then when you come into a restaurant like mine, and you know, you can either go the package route or you can go a la carte. Mm-hmm. And then when people choose to go a la carte, even though you've explained to them what that is, then they're suddenly baffled when you start putting the food down. Well, what's this? What's this? What's right. this? That's what you ordered. Yeah. Why is it coming out like this? As I explained, this is the difference between sure. when you order the package meal or you order a la carte. Anyway, I'm getting far off topic yeah. here. Someday but... I hope to win the lottery so I can eat at your restaurant and see what that's <laughs> all about. So anyway, I, you'll be happy to know that's pretty much it for what I have for oh, news okay. you don't give a shit about. So, I so I can start giving a shit now? Uh, if you want. Because what is it time then for? Oh, it's time for Weekend Geek! Woohoo! Now, let's, let's go ahead and start off. Let's just start off with this one because uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a historical note. Okay. Um, cartoonist Al Jaffe uh, passed yeah. away. Uh, he's a Mad Magazine cartoonist. He'd been with Mad since 1955. And even if... The name doesn't mean anything to you. You've if, read his stuff. You've read his stuff. If you've read Mad Magazine for decades, yeah. you're going to be very familiar with one of his biggest things, which is one of my favorite things, the Mad Magazine fold-in. Yes. Where you have the, I love the fold-in. Yes, the, the, big, the big cartoon, and if you fold it vertically, you fold it in, you actually get another image absolutely and that was one of his big things uh he did it originally as a goof from what i've read um and it just took off yeah and actually i i I haven't read mad in decades but i remember as a kid that was one of the things i really enjoyed doing although i always got irritated because i was kind of um um, a mint condition or a pristine. Yes. And so I didn't want to crease. Sure. But you so you're trying to fold it in <laughs> and, and see the image, but everything is kind of rolling. And but uh, yeah, yeah, Al Jaffe. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I remember as a kid, um, one of my friends used to be like you with it. They don't want to crease it. They want to keep it in pristine condition. So after reading it. They took. They, we had a, a a photocopier at the church. Ah, so yeah. They would photocopy that back page, so that they could do the fold, mm. but not damage the yes. actual Mad Magazine. No, that's and I, very smart. I for the longest time didn't understand why he was doing that, yeah. and it wasn't until I became a much older, more seasoned collector sure. that I started to understand. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, those Jaffe fold-ins were so, so well done. Yes. And you just, it, it's its a part of the magazine. You have to mm-hmm. hold that in. But. Yes, and it, it's just brilliant. The images he would create were just brilliant. I remember being dazzled by it and just being, like, stunned. And, and you know, unfolding it and looking at the, the edges and, and looking how it all comes together and everything, it just blows my mind. I, I love his artwork, too, because on the one hand, it seems somewhat simplistic, mm. but it's very complicated the way that, he would do those drawings. Yeah, it it you just look at it and you're like, oh, that looks like a very simple drawing. But you had no idea how many hours goes into mm-hmm. doing that type of artwork, and it and just yeah, that absurdist humor just fits so well. Well, he, I mean, he's uh, and of course, of course, I'm blanking. 
Who's the other big mad artist? Um, oh, um, son of a bitch. Um, but he he's iconic with that artist in terms of making mad what it what it is, what it was. Um, and it was amazing just how how prolific he was and how he just did it for he did it forever. He was there for decades and a value uh, valued part of the magazine. He won the uh, Rubin Award, Cartoonist of the Year, in 2008, although I think that was a uh, almost like a Lifetime Achievement Award type thing. Um, and he had tremendous, tremendous uh, love, uh, affection, and respect. He was inducted into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame in 2013. Wow. So... Um, and even uh, even in the 70s, he's being recognized the National Cartoonist Society Advertising and Illustration Award for 1973. He was just... Uh, you weren't thinking of Mort Drucker, were you? Yes, I was. Because uh, I remember he passed away, what, 2000? Right. Because that's... I just said, it suddenly popped in my head. It's been about 20 years. Yeah. I'm trying to fi- I was trying to figure out which artist, But Drucker, but, Drucker yeah. is the other one that I, at least, you know... Uh, when you think of mad mm-hmm. and you think of an image from the magazine, if you trace down who did it, right? generally it's going to be Drucker, but it could it could also be Jaffe too. And of course, if Andy was here, he'd tell us all the other artists it could yes. be. Oh, he'd, he'd tell us every single it, one. It's actually too bad that Andy is not here because this is this is his wheelhouse. Oh yeah, he could he could probably give us some background. Yeah. And- we wouldn't even know where to look for. If, Andy, you're uh, listening to this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pop in on the lair yeah. and let us hear it, you know. You too, John Bean Hastings. Um, but uh, it'd be... Because he had the hell of a career, in fact. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he died at 102, right? He was 102 years that old. Is something like Jaffe. that. And, uh, yes. and my understanding was up until very, very 2020. recently... Yeah, he was very recent, up until very recently, was still doing Was artwork. still working. In fact, Jeff D., he holds the Guinness World Record for longest career as comic artist. Wow. 42 to 2020. Wow. So he he officially retired in 2020, but I swear he was doing little things on the side. I would bet Maybe he not would. professionally, but maybe just... Um, How can you, know. you stop? Yeah. How can you stop after so long? And when you're as good as you are. Yes. I think that he probably, you know, he probably popped in and, and, and of course, you know, they would take whatever, whatever. Yeah. I, I want to be sad about this, but that's such a long career. And Wonderful I'm, career. I'm very happy that multiple generations got to experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his humor and his art. Yeah. He started at Mad in 55. Holy shit! Really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, he actually has stories uh, talking about uh, working for Stan Lee, stuff like that. So yeah. that's 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 an amazing, not just career, but that's an amazing life. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we salute you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thank you for all the pictures absolutely. and all the laughs and the fold in. Absolutely. Fold in. Especially in a pre-photocopy age when you had to ruin your magazine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, Jeff, you might have noticed Mm -hmm. a disturbance in the force. 
as if a million man babies cried out and were suddenly silenced. All right. Because this week, two things happened that just twisted the nards of the man babies. Uh, it doesn't take much, but <laughs> what are you referencing there, okay? Well, first thing off was the Marvel's teaser trailer dropped. Oh, yeah, that twerked a bunch of man babies Oh, off. my God, dude, I'm, I'm already seeing, well, the trailer dropped, and it's obvious that this is going to be a big flop, which is just like, yeah, you and your cinematic... Prognosticate. I really liked. I really liked the trailer. I yeah. was I was downright giggling when I was watching it. I actually am trying to avoid trailers, so I'm actually keeping up with the hype surrounding the trailer without actually watching the trailer. Yeah, but I do understand that Iman Vellani and uh-huh. Ms. Marvel, um, T. Tayona Paris as uh, Rambo mm-hmm. are joining Brie Larson uh-huh. in this yep. movie. All three of them are so. in the movie. Uh, and Nick Fury is apparently yep. in it. Absolutely. Uh, and that's all that I saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only about a two-minute trailer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's enough of a tease without being too revealing, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. But nevertheless, enough for guys to judge that it's going to be a total flop. Yeah, but having Monica Rambeau, uh, Captain Marvel, and, of course, Ms. Marvel all together. Yeah. Uh, I did think that was interesting that Rambeau does not have a a uh, superhero name. So maybe that's something that'll that happen in the yeah. film. But uh, I, I did find that fascinating that it's almost referenced. It's like... Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, and Ms. Rambo. And Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Rambo itself, uh, over the decades, has become something of a superhero name, right? Right. So, but, uh, yeah, well, in the comics, she, for a while, takes over as Captain Marvel. Right. And then she becomes, like, Photon. I think at one point she's Pulsar. And I think now, right now, she's Spectrum. Okay. So her names keep, keep changing Maybe, over and over and Maybe over. that's why it's not in the trailer, because she does in one quick clip reference that her powers seem to be light-based. Yes. And, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, maybe they're hiding that mm-hmm. she finally has a, a superhero name, yeah. a character name. Or maybe will. that's a gag through it the movie. Be. It could be. Because if I was writing it, uh, that would be one of the things I would gag on, is yeah. like, what the hell do we call you? Uh, let's try this. It would actually be funny if it's like, let's oh, yeah. try this. And for a half hour, she's that. And after one fight, they're like, ah, I don't, ah, yeah. let's Not try. Not buying it. Let's go, yeah, you know. Let's go back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be funny. But but yes, so that was one of the reasons why. Um, May, November of this year, the Marvels will be coming out. Yep. Um, but uh, that didn't stop the man babies from doing what they do. Well, the man babies have been having a time this week. Yeah. Oh yes, Star Wars celebration. Celebration in uh, in England this in London this year. Aye aye. How about that, mate? They should have had it at Shepperton Studios. Um, or, uh, that was the other disturbance in the Force when they announced. A new Star Wars movie coming. Yes, with Ray. Yep. Oh yeah, I, I, I really do try to avoid a lot of the threads where people start bagging on that character because 
it really starts delving into the misogynistic. Oh, it's it it, it always ends up there. Yes. I don't I don't care. I mean, I think there are things that people can say, but goddamn, Jeff, they can't they can't just say that. They always have to start rolling into the the unfortunate bullshit, which always gets me. And you know, fuck it. I like Daisy Ridley, and yes. I like Ray. I mean, I think that. Uh, Rise of Skywalker got a little wacky. It it went in a direction that I don't know about, but nevertheless, yeah. I liked her. Yeah, um, I I think her character was the most developed out yeah. of the the characters we got in the new trilogy. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, that was one of my criticisms of the sequel trilogy is they tried too much with too many. Yeah, and they quickly found because they they very quickly found out they figured out that it's it's Ray and Ren. Yeah, this is the story you want, and for me, those are the things that work the most. Sure, I loved the the whole in in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, the mm-hmm. long distance force where he's in her room, she's in his room, and you know all that shit. What was that the Force Dyad or something? Yes, like that? and I like that a lot. I thought that those were very well done, and I thought that that was a lot of fun. Um, so I think that they, they figured out a little too late that this was the story, and they had all these other stories going, and they were like, oh, oops. Yeah. Which, you know, fucked over poor John Boyega. Yeah. He didn't deserve no. know, how things went. Although he did get some stuff, but it didn't go, it didn't develop the way I think he wanted for Finn. Yeah, it did seem like we were starting to get more uh, Finn development in in the the second film uh last jedi and then suddenly we get into rise of skywalker and he's like a secondary character right and he he's just just there to help ray yeah get to where she needs to be and And, i was really mm -hmm. disappointed by that yeah and he does i mean you know you get some fun action stuff and things right but still and let's not even touch on what they did to poor Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, because that uh, was they really unacceptable. She, really, they boned the actress, they boned the character, and it was it was just uh, anyway. So, but, but yes, but yeah, the man baby's been screaming about it. It's like, oh, of course it's a Ray movie because Kathleen Kennedy. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just gonna call it Star Wars Ten because that's what it is. Let's face it. Yeah. So yep. I just think it's hilarious. But there think. was a lot of cool stuff to come out of Celebration, though. Do you, do you, because uh, that and what you said mm-hmm. about the TV series kind of coming together in a movie, yes. th- those are the two things I heard. What? Uh, there's there's a movie that's going to tie together um, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and uh, Skeleton Crew. Um, I think it's on Disney+. Plus. Is, yeah, is Skeleton Crew out now? I don't even know. No, that is not out yet. Oh, okay, that explains that. But uh, yeah. Um, oh, and trailer for Ahsoka. Yes, uh, Ahsoka. That that looks really good. Ray Stevenson, dude. Yeah, I Ray like Ray Stevenson, Stevenson a, a lot. Guy. And uh, Lars Mikkelsen is Thrawn. They're going. They're they're really they're doing the Thrawn thing. Grand Admiral yep, Thrawn. They're bringing him in. Um, the trailer that we got. Did not show his face. However, the trailer they showed at Celebration, I guess, showed the actor's face yeah. in the Thrawn makeup. So, in blue face. Um, you can find it on YouTube for, uh, you know, 
it's actually fairly easy to find because um, apparently you're not supposed to record uh, with your phone while those things are playing. Oh, but well, no one as, did, I'm as, sure. As with every single sneak preview like that, some clown recorded it, and what? of course it's on YouTube. It's dumb. Although it's 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 fascinating how fast those are getting pulled down and put back up. Well, but, it, uh, it, it's dumb to say don't do it. You you should You should totally calculate doing that. You should totally calculate doing that. And just, you know, okay, we're going to show this, and in 10 minutes it's going to be all over YouTube, and that's fine. They should totally let that happen, but whatever. Because a lot of people, I mean, nowadays, a lot of people, it's not that you're the only one with the information. It's you're one of the first that becomes a kind of Internet credit. And so just, you know, just let, let them record, let them put it up. It's going to stir up the interest. I mean, for God's sakes. But, yeah, um, that actually looks like that will be kind of cool. Um, Absolutely. I, uh, I, I love uh, old man Itis. I'm blanking on her name. Uh, plays Ahsoka. Um, um, I love her. So I think that'll be fun. And Ray Stevenson as a villain. I just, I'm, I was totally surprised with that news and I'm very happy to hear it. So, so yes, Star Wars and tying up those TV shows and the announcement of Ray. Is that, uh, it was three. Yes. Wasn't it? Uh, th- she's getting a trilogy. Uh, next three Star Wars films go to the past, present, and future with Daisy Ridley as Ray. Okay. Uh, you've got Ahsoka. Uh, first, the first trailer gives, um, you know, sneak peeks to a lot of things, including uh, live action versions of a lot of the Star Wars Rebels characters. Rebels was a oh, very yeah. popular animated series yeah. that unfortunately I never got to now, finish. Are, if, do you know anything about those actors? Are they going the Bo Katan route and using actual? Because that's, I'm enjoying that. I will say I'm enjoying that in Mandalorian. I'm, I love Katie Sackhoff well, anyway, yeah. but I like she, what she's doing. She was super surprised to get that because. Um, you know, uh, not every character is being played by their voice actor. Oh, okay. um, All right. My understanding is they're different actors going to be doing the live action versions of the oh, Star okay. Wars Rebels crew. Oh, um, but I'm not an expert on this, so mm-hmm. take that as you will. Yeah. But um, it's kind of hard for me to report on because I am. I'm trying to avoid trailers because yes. I just. Uh, you know, I used to be just the opposite, but I'm not anymore. I like to go into a movie with nothing or as little as possible. And, you know, shit comes up and you can't do anything about it. And there you go. Right. But I don't want to be I don't want to practically know the whole movie before I go in. So. But, yeah, uh, I'm fine with it. And hell, if it makes the man babies cry, I'm even more fine with it, which is I, I don't think is a great attitude, but nevertheless, that's me. Well, yeah, sometimes watching the man babies cry is is entertaining because the rest of us get what we want, but they get nothing that they mm-hmm. want. <laughs> so um, now there was also another Star Wars announcement, April 28th. Yes. We're getting a four, 40th, Jeff D. 40 years, that's so crazy. 40th anniversary release. Excuse me while I just age and fall to dust. And I can't believe it. It's also funny because I look at that and I'm like, oh my God, I was that age when it came out? Jesus Christ. 
I just I didn't even I don't even know. But yeah. Yeah, I it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. Return of the Jedi is the movie I saw the most in the theaters. Uh-huh. Um I was just shy of 9 years old when that came out. Whew. Um it's a, it's actually a very similar story to uh my Howard the Duck story where I think I've told on here before, <laughs> but for those that either don't remember or have blocked it out, uh, when, when, when I was around that age, uh, anytime we would go to Michigan to visit my, my mother's parents, my, the grandparents on my mother's side, um, they didn't really have much in the way of entertainment at their house. They didn't have toys for us kids. Mm. Um, they didn't really have... TV. I mean, they they got the the basic three channels, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also three channels. Kids, they were in a rural area too, so every now and then you couldn't really watch much. Mm-hmm. Although that is where I discovered uh, the Batman sixty six series in syndication. Uh. So, uh, but this very tiny little Michigan town, about an hour ish north of Detroit, and. This is a town where the downtown has one four-way blinking stoplight. There's not even a normal traffic light. Nah. Uh, and you could drive through the town in about five minutes. Mm-hmm. However, this town had a little three-plex movie theater, which was newer than everything else that three was around plex. it. Yes, they had a three-screen movie theater. Ooh. Still to this day baffles my mind because this is the early 80s. Yeah, But... Again, a fairly new building compared to all these other century-old buildings that were around it. Uh huh. Um, when my mom needed to run errands with my grandparents, they they were able to drive, but basically got to that point where, when my mom was in town, she became the chauffeur. They had her drive them everywhere, doctor's appointments, uh, errand running, etc. Ah, oh, Darren would know that. So, what? Uh, my mom would frequently do is give me the two dollars to go to the theater and go watch a movie mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah. And the summer that Return of the Jedi came out, because uh, I I was well actually I'm sorry it was end of April of '83, mm-hmm. and we were there. I turned nine in July of that year, so this would have had to have been May ish. And I remember it was on, and I remember my mom more than once that week or so that we were there took me to the theater, gave me the two bucks, let me go see whatever movie I wanted. And I went and saw, because there were only three to choose from, obviously. But I went and watched Return of the Jedi several times. And when you're, you know, eight years, almost nine years old, what are you going to choose? You're going to choose Star Wars, of course. Yeah. And I just remember being so excited with that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so because I didn't remember. My mom did tell me that she took us to see uh, her, my dad, and I, because she was pregnant with my uh, middle sister at the time when uh, Star Wars came out mm-hmm. in 77. Oh, wow. And I would have been just shy of four years old. Yeah, I was really? Born in, uh, you, you would have been one yeah. of the ones Barry would be pointing at, like, get this out of here. Sorry, no, excuse me. I, I would have been just shy of three years old. <laughs> Even worse. So, 
But my mom told the story of how she had never seen me sit still for that long oh. in my short life because I was a very energetic child, had too much to do, too little time to do it in. Yeah. But when we went to see Star Wars, she said I was sitting on her lap with my arms folded in, on the seat in front of me and just staring at the screen for the entire wow. length of the film. And so Jeff D. wanted to be an astronaut. Now, never got to see Empire Strikes Back in the movie theater. Even really? The, even in the subsequent, like, uh, uh, throwback cinema releases really i just it's either it was either on a day that i wasn't able to go to the theater etc um my parents felt it was a little too intense for me Mm. at six years old Hmm. because uh you know came out in 1980 they they just felt like it was a little too violent a little too intense so i never got to see that one in the theater but again saw return of the jedi many times Mm. and i just Remember being so excited about everything in that film. Yeah. I had, I had saved up and I bought the, that uh, the Jedi Return of the Jedi version of the the um, Millennium Falcon, and I had the Job of the Hut figure, and I even made uh, my friend down the street had the Rancor. Mm-hmm. So we we took a giant cardboard box and we cut a trap door into it with a little string to pull for the to drop Luke down in with the the rancor and we cut the sides of the cardboard box off so you could make it the whole, uh, that whole, you could recreate that whole sequence. And I even cut slits in the top of the cardboard box. So Jabba's little bed thingy could slide forward over Mm -hmm. to the, where I had poked holes in the top of the cardboard box. So it was just like the viewing area. Wow. So yeah, I, I saw that one in the theater a lot. Yeah. I, I, I want to say at least five times that, Mm -hmm. that summer. That's crazy. And not That's all great. of them were at, you know, my grandparents' little hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least three times, though, at that theater that I can recall. Yeah. And I know I saw it again when I got back to Wichita at that yeah. time. When so. they did the Star Wars re-release in 78, I uh, that's when I saw it a bajillion times. Because yeah. my local two-screen had it, and they didn't care yeah. about you just sitting there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so I'd buy a ticket, go in, sit down, and I'd sit there all afternoon. Just watch it over. And That's over really cool. And over again, yeah. It was so. It was a lot of fun, yeah. I mean, as an adult, I look back and I'm like, it certainly, of the three original films, was probably the weakest. Yeah. But I still don't feel like it deserves a lot of the hate. The man babies, especially, have liked to give it <laughs> because it's an entertaining, entertaining film. It's the completion of Luke's hero's journey. It's. I mean, I do find some of the criticisms valid. Like, you know, Leia doesn't seem to be the the strong hero type that she was in the first two films. Mm-hmm. She kind of becomes a, you know, secondary character in the film, even though, you know, she's still there all the time. It's a trope in a lot of stories that yeah. comes up where you have the, the strong male, the strong female, they become attracted, and there's the tension there. And in the adventure story, they're both doing their thing. Right. But then as soon as they become an item, yes. the the writers give in to damsel in distress mode and yes. start and start putting her in peril for the dude to rescue. And I hate that so much. Yeah. Uh, and I know that 
initially Harrison Ford wanted that to be the end for yeah. Han Solo. And he, he wasn't going to be happy until that guy got killed. And he didn't get what he wanted. So mm-hmm. there are certain elements where the film you're like, oh, I could see where the, he was trying to kind of play it like he wasn't going to go on with the character. Like he was ready to close out the character. And then, yeah. oh, guess what? He nope. survives. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. I'm sorry, Harrison. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um... I, uh, uh, yeah, I like, I've come to like the Jabba palace scene the most. Really? That. That's my favorite part. And I like that opening a lot. I'll uh, sometimes pop it in to the Blu-ray and I'll watch that scene. It's very dark and creepy. Yeah. Uh, compared to some of the other yeah. stuff. And very films. pulpy. Yeah. Very, the, yes. it, that Lee Brackett could have easily written that in one of her space operas, Henry Kuttner, Um, or it actually, you know, you just move a little bit to the side and it's a sword and sorcery yeah. bit, you know? It's, I mean, it's, you've got that whole gallery of rogues. Yes. Just suddenly, you know, you don't know anything about this, mm-hmm. this palace, because it just looks like a giant building, and right. then suddenly here you are amongst... All the scum and villains, of, <laughs> more so than you right. know when they talk about the cantina in the yeah. first film, outdoing like, Mos Eisley, yeah, Jabba's exactly. Palace. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, so and, I, I do and as a it. kid, you know those animatronic puppets. Yeah, you know when they do the original version of the the song that <laughs> not not the pop music act that. Oh boy! Got presented in the uh, oh. special editions. Oh boy! My God, I remember seeing that theater going, "What the fuck is happening I right know. now?" And that's probably what we'll get on the twenty eighth. Yeah, I hate so. to admit it, but so. Well, you mentioned you mm-hmm. mentioned though that they have uh, that that there will be some really good remasters of the original theatricals. Yeah, so. It's it's out there if you want to find it, both on the Reddits and uh, the forums. There is a group of film historians who have uh, acquired fairly pristine prints of the original trilogy on 35mm film, and they have scanned them into the computer uh, at 4K uh, to preserve the films as they originally were. Now... As of right now, um, it's called Project 4K77, 4K80, and 4K83, obviously for the years that the three films were released. And a fairly... I I don't want to send you to exact sites because there's some questionable legality on this, but if you do a fairly simple Google search for, you know, 4K... 77 80 or 83 you can find the uh the links to these areas uh where you can find these films uh typically uh it would be on um the torrents but uh they have uh, they have done very 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 basic restoration on these they've scanned them done some minor cleanup for dust dirt and scratches uh, minor color corrections just because the age of those prints. Right. Um, and this is the different colors, from yes. the, the whole Harmy thing. Yes, the despecialized editions that Harmy did, um, he went through with the current versions of the films and edited out all the specialized, hence his title, the despecialized yeah. editions. Which is always so, cool. 
the di- the main difference that I've seen between the two is that the the 4K series is more like what you would have seen in the theaters in 77, 80, and 83, whereas the uh, the despecialized editions you have some of that extra pop where they did the different color grading mm. to really make some of the colors yeah all, um, almost HDR. And I think if if I remember correctly, the 4K editions that either were coming out or are coming out, um, they did some color remastering. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Harmy Despecialized Editions, he removed all of the stuff to make it story-wise and presentation-wise like the original theatrical releases, but mm. with some of the upgraded visuals and some of the, the CG work that was done to improve the original Okay. So, um, you know, it's definitely worth checking out, uh, especially if you're into film history like I am. So, um, it, we, you mentioned the movie that's tying up the, or no, I'm sorry, the Star Wars series that'll be mm-hmm. tied up in that movie, mm-hmm. what will be coming. There happens to be a not quite exactly the same, but a similar tie up coming April 19th. Mm-hmm. where Picard will do a finale on yes. IMAX screens. Yes, they uh, they took the... Uh, I, I also read this earlier today. They took uh, the final two episodes of Picard, uh, put it in IMAX theaters, um, and it'll be released on the 19th. However, they were sold out almost immediately. Because it was today, wasn't it? Today that they started selling the tickets? Uh, I thought it was in 12th. I what think it? it was the 11th, but really? I'm not, I'm not 100% because wow. I know Darren and I were talking about that last night, and he, as soon as he saw the announcement, tried to get tickets. Uh, the closest to us was in Los Angeles. Oh, oh, what? Yeah. No Vegas love? No Vegas love. Hey, we got Dungeons & Dragons previews in Vegas, yeah. for God's sakes. I don't know why the closest, I mean... Because they did like Seattle, maybe uh, real IMAX. Because our maybe. IMAX is not as Steve Biggs will tell you over and over again. We only have two official real IMAX theaters: uh, one at the Palms, and one at the AMC theaters in Town Square. And I have not been to the Palms one in a very long time um, because it is in an original um, IMAX theater. It's very limited seating. I think yes. there's only 20 total seats in that Steve's, particular theater. Steve's opinion of that one is incredibly low as, it, a, as, a, as an L.A. IMAX snob. Right. Um, I know the one in Town Square is very uncomfortable. Uh, the Didn't seats we think, saw that's Dune. That's the Dune. That's the one we went and saw Dune in. Okay, and yeah. uh, maybe I've just become a bit of a movie snob now, but... It had the very old school upright seats, not your your comfy yeah. recliners like right. I've gotten used to. Oh, Galaxy, how you've spoiled us. And I just remember that not only were they the upright seats, which normally you're like, okay, whatever, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a regular movie theater seat. These seats were very uncomfortable, and Dune is not a short film. No. So thank God we were in that that uh, upper tier front yes. row though. Yeah, where so we was, could get they, up and move around easy. Yeah, and there weren't a lot of people behind us. They yeah. were mostly in front of I us. I had to get up a couple times, but, but yeah, I remember <laughs> the old sciatic nerve was acting up a little that day. Yeah, yeah. So so Picard will also now uh, has is that 
coinciding with the drop dates or because I'm I'm not caught up on Picard. So uh, the episode, okay, uh, the final two episodes, eight or excuse me, nine and ten, are this week and next week. So nine will be at midnight tonight. So okay. because today is the twelfth, technically there you go. it would be the uh, released on the the thirteenth. And then the following episode a week later. So the day before the general public would see the final drop of the final episode, a certain select group of people in like 10 cities are going to see both episodes 9 and 10 together as one Mm, theatrical IMAX presentation. So Well, there you go. So if you got a ticket... Write to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. can write to us comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Uh, I would love to hear what you thought or drop a, a, a brief story in the Shock Monkey's Lair. I'd love, Absolutely. love to read it because I was so excited when I heard about that. And we were going to try to go and could not get tickets. Darren and Jeff, folks, they they try to do these things. You did the... I've the... Gotten, yeah, I've gotten very lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in 2016... I got to go to Paramount Pictures in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, little known fact, Paramount is the only studio actually in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, all the other studios are, you know, Burbank, um, Culver City, Universal City, et cetera. But um, I got to go to Paramount Studios. Mm-hmm. We got to go on to... The original stages where the original series were shot, and we had a special uh, sneak preview of Star Trek Beyond. We got to see a five-minute clip that nobody else had seen outside of J.J. Abrams and uh, the director whose name escapes me right now. Uh, He directed one of the Fast and Furious movies, and I'll probably remember it later when it's not important. But uh, so we got to do that. We actually got to uh, listen to Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and Carl Urban talk about the film. Mm. We got to uh, have this giant group picture taken outside of the studio where they had just dedicated the road right in front of the two sound stages as Leonard Nimoy Way. And then they opened it up to this giant party where... Uh, I got to have my picture taken in the actual captain's chair from the set of Star Trek Beyond for the Enterprise, surrounded by women painted green like Ryan's, uh, and then as you do, as you, as as one does in those yeah. types of things, and there was some minor you know finger food which unfortunately ran out very quickly, and and some drinks, so it was a good thing, it was a good good time, and the other thing was while we were there, they gave us all a gift bag. Uh, so we got a special edition poster, and this gift bag had passes to see the world premiere screening of Star Trek Beyond oh, wow. in San Diego during Comic-Con, and this was like a couple weeks before, so most of the Comic-Con hotels were already set, sold out. Right. Uh, Darren and I were like scrambling, like, oh, fuck, this is in San Diego? During Comic-Con, all the hotels are going to be sold well, out. Well, they probably assumed all of you... Nerds, there we're already, already going to be there. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that um, I did end up finding a Motel Six in San Ysidro, <laughs> which is 
like not even a mile from the border, ladies and gentlemen. So it's in a very interesting area yeah. of San Diego. Did you share um, it with like Crazy Mary, uh, who would uh, let you sleep while she went out on her crack runs? Uh, well, no. I mean, we were pretty tired when we got to, so we crashed. You know, finally we did find a, a one. They had like one or two rooms left. Um, we found one with two queen beds, and so Aww. we were able to at least not have to share. Thank God, because you know at that point, you know what would we have been able to do? But uh, you only share with Todd. I we but, all know. But yeah, that that premiere was really awesome. They had instead of so it was the full film mm-hmm. introduced by the entire cast. Mm. Uh, one of the interesting things they did with this premiere was they had a full orchestra there. So the orchestra did the score of the film while the film was playing. That's... So instead of the pre-recorded score that you're seeing on screen, we got to see it performed by a live orchestra. You sure you sure they didn't lip sync? No, I'm I'm very certain they did not <laughs> lip sync. So, yeah, that was a lot of wow, fun. Wow, that's it's, actually kind of crazy. I've gotten to do a couple of these things, not a lot, but a couple of these types of things over the years just uh from some of the connections I made when, you know, when we were working at Star Trek The Experience. Yeah, so. it's amazing what sling and booze uh, will do for connections in uh, the entertainment industry. Yeah, people sit down at the bar and, you know, just start chatting with you. And when they find out you're an actual fan, as opposed to just a, you know, average Joe just working there, oh, it's just a job. So we'd, we'd, uh, we'd made some good connections over the years. Wow. I've gotten way off topic here, but yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's what we do on this show. Mm-hmm. How do you get off topic? <laughs> Write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Uh, Want to thank all of our Kofi members for joining us. Thanks for putting up with, with Kirsten and I on this strange two-person episode that yep. we did. Loaded um, with laughs and shenanigans. So hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it, because we had a good time, right? Uh, yeah. All right. I was uh, up for it. We were discussing... Should we do this? Should we do, not do this? Oh. What are we? What, where, where are we going to go with this? And I was, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, as as our cast started dropping like flies, I was like, ah, should we do this? In fact, uh, it was even brought up in the group chat that maybe we should cancel. And yeah. Kirsten and I were like, no, fuck it, let's just do we'll it. We'll do it. We'll do it. It's really funny. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. And I was like, well, Jeff, and you're like, I feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, Barry, Deb, get better. Stop hanging out with, with family members that get you sick. Yeah, really. What is it with you guys? Todd? Todd, well, stop waiting on, you know, start bartending for people who get you sick. Yeah, quit licking the glasses of your customers, dude. It's just not going to do you any good. No, it, it, it won't make you stronger. It will only make you weaker. <laughs> <laughs> I always Excellent. love that. What doesn't kill you make you stronger. Yeah, really? No, no, no. It's not, not. I don't not think that's how one. it actually works. Not this one. Not when you get long. Instead of long COVID, it's long bartending. <laughs> well, until next week, I am 80s Jeff. And Commander K. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Nah. I'm all right, don't you think? Well, yeah. well you know. I, mean, I just hope everybody could... Uh, could you know, hear what we were talking about through all of their hysterical laughter. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) We're funny, but maybe not that funny. By the way, folks, uh, 
NPR left Twitter, and HBO Max will be known only as Max as of April 23rd. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Just, just, let's just end it on a little bit more news you don't give a shit about. Yeah, I definitely don't give a shit about Twitter. Twitter.